I hate you all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep. Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press away. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to do is create a safe place uh, where you can set aside whatever's been keeping you awake, whether you're up because of uh, uh, something physical, some kind of emotional feeling you're dealing with, uh, mind racing, uh, stuff from the past, stuff from the future, noisy neighbors, uh, cat, you know, cats, uh, any kind of cats, especially outside garbage night cats, you know, or just cat, you know, when you hear cats in the night, uh, I don't know what the sailor, it, I don't think that's the sailor's delight. Uh, cats, cat noises at night, you know, outside those ones where it's like, you, you say, what is it? Is it a full moon? But that's a, like, isn't that a, that's not, that's a canine that barks at the moon. Uh, but whatever it is, keeping me away. It could be any of those things. It could be something totally different. Uh, I'm going to try to distract you from whatever it is. I'm going to use creaky dulcet tones, uh, flying on wings of pointlessness, escorted by uh, mumbles and stumbles. And I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. And on Sunday nights, I also send it across the, uni- the known and unknown universe and maybe even dimensions. Ideally, tra- you know, ideally, that'd be great. You know, get, uh, getting in in another dimension. Maybe they say, hey, you could say when, they, you know, they, that would be good. I could use cross-dimensional help. So to, so here's it. Let me, if you're new here, welcome, by the way. I'm glad you're here, and I really hope I can help you fall asleep. That's what I always say at the end of the intro. But let me do a little placemaking, uh, because after this, it'll be all meandering. I'll be lucky if I get through the placemaking, because now I'm already, you know, just talking 30 seconds about placemaking before doing any placemaking. And anytime I bring up placemaking, I think of placemats, which makes me think of childhood, and then it makes me think of, like, uh, with a, like the double, like making your own placemats or stores, you know. But anyway, let me do some placemaking. If you're new here, so we like uh, here's the structure of an episode of Sleep with Me. Uh, while most episodes are different, I'll, I'll give you the full, the whole nine yards, just in case you're new. So it starts off with the business stuff. That's like the first four or five minutes. You know, that's what pays the bills and the people that work hard on the show. Some people for free, and then we do an intro, which we're in the middle of. The usually the intros are like somewhere between 9 and 14 minutes. And it's a show within itself. Sometimes a lot of people listen to this and they fall asleep to this. So it's familiar, but each intro is different. You know, so that way it stays distracting. I like variety. I think variety is more distracting. I already forgot. Oh, placemaking. Then uh, we're going to do, like, we're going to talk about Star Trek The Next Generation, the episode Who Watches the Watchers. And then if we were depending on the time, because I like these shows, like so to take the pressure off you falling asleep right away, I like them to be over an hour. So maybe we'll do some facts that came up on the episode. And if you're new here, you're under no pressure to listen or to fall asleep. So you can kind of listen. You can kind of let me drift off into the background at some point. Or if you're having trouble falling asleep, I'll be here to keep you company. I'm your boyfriend. And I'll be sitting close by. And also, I, I like to have some words of wisdom with these Star Trek episodes recently to try to make a metaphor for the show. And in this episode, 
one of the characters, a guest on the Starship Enterprise, says, What a wonder, wondrous place he's talking to Picard. Even the walls obey your commands. And Picard says, Wondrous, yes, but not miraculous. And I would definitely say that this podcast, like, I don't think it's wondrous. It's definitely not miraculous. But, you know, when you're sleepless, uh, you know, if you're in the deep, dark night, which I've been tossing and turning, unable to fall asleep, you know, you can get to a desperate place. And I try to insert not wondrous, but wonder. Yeah, that's really what drives the podcast. In some sense, that's what drove uh, some of the Star Trek missions is wonder. I wonder, curiosity. And this podcast is a kind of search for a couple different kinds of wonder. One is just to give myself a little space to meander and say, huh, I wonder, uh, like this episode, the Vulcan Bronze Age came up, I think. So I said, huh, I wonder about that. Uh, but there's also this ability, this this great thing I get out of making the podcast because I have to slow down and try to observe more, is to stumble on these wonderful things. Like this episode, there's a, like ideally when I'm going through the reruns, now they're not super wondrous, like you got to stay awake for them. They're more like uh, uh, they, they just keep me going week after week to make this show and to give it my all so I can be here to take your mind off stuff. Well, you know, I keep my eyes on this and I say, well, I like that look. Like uh, Riker had a pretty good, you know, I say, well, that was like wonder. I I don't know. I think that's the wrong metaphor. I mean, I always strive the highest. One of the pinnacles I shoot for in this podcast is to make bedtime feel delightful. And I think by striving for that goal, you know, I can fall short of it. And then you say, well, that's not, you know, it doesn't make bedtime worse. And I say, okay, great. I'm striving to make bedtime delightful, to bring you a delight. So I'm shooting for the stars, like I'm shooting for a sense of wonder. And if I only get halfway there, that's good because you can, you don't need to stay awake for it. You know, that's, that's a great, uh, I guess, a give and take we have here. And that's part of the symbiosis of the show. Miraculous, uh, not miraculous, uh, wonder, whatever Picard said, you know, I'll get back to that later. Uh, but basically, this is a podcast you don't have to listen to. You can kind of listen, you just lie back. You can put it on before when you're getting ready for bed or when you're already in bed. You could set a sleep timer. Definitely easiest way to listen is on a mobile device via podcasting app because you can set sleep timers. You can make playlists of multiple episodes if you need them. And you can listen with your phone off so you don't got to worry about that blue light or, you know, checking things, you know, where you say, well, let me just take one last look. You know, you want to go to sleep. You deserve it. And if I can help with it, it really would be an honor. So I'm glad you're here. And I really hope this show can help you fall asleep. And I appreciate your time. Thanks for stopping by. All right, everybody. We're talking about Season 3, Episode 4, Who Watches the Watchers. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make this evolve slowly. So now I got my full setup. I got the Who Watches the Watchers playing on an old iPhone 4S. And I have I got all my stuff here. So we'll do a little run-through. And the episode is rolling, but it opens with Captain's Log, Mentem. I can't read my hand. Unfortunately, I don't have a handwriting reader here. Uh, but Picard says, Mentaka, Mentaka 3 or something. Anthropological field team with a bad reactor. 
and we got to get down there. Jordy does not understand. Like, this was an interesting little uh, two- or three-minute exchange because uh, Jordy says, geez, why do they have such a powerful reactor? He's representing the audience here, I think, and saying, well, what do, what's the hook here? And Riker kind of teases, I says, well, a phaser bank, a subspace relay, or Jordy, come on, figure it out on your own. You're a big kid. And he says, oh, a hologram generator, a duck blind. They're anthropologists. And then Picard says, yeah, they're studying Mintakins at close range, but they're camouflaged. You know, they're just anthropologicizing. And uh, uh, Troy says, they're proto-Vulcan humanoids at a Bronze Age level, peaceful and rational. And Picard says, yeah, they've uh, paralleled uh, the Vulcan evolution, so that makes sense. And let's see what else we have here. Didn't uh, Jordy... Uh, well, yeah, this was one qu- criticism I had of Jordy. Didn't he, aren't you shouldn't have he read the reports and known this all? But I guess he's a representative of us. And then the re- reactor goes bad. So, uh, like Picard says, you know, we got to get down there. Uh, and Data says, don't worry, sir. We get to warp seven. We could be there in 27 minutes. And he says, uh, make it so. And then we see a two watches, a watchers, and then team, what does that say? Team beams in a good, oh, okay, so team beams in. We see the uh, away team, they're in the uh, reactor, or the uh, duck blind, the anthropological station, and there's some good electrical effects. And then I don't know if anybody's watched a certain TV show with uh, Twin Peaks, but you get a, if you did, you're, you're in for it here for a good, I guess, a laugh. I don't know if the laugh's the right word. Maybe a pleasant surprise uh, named Leland. Uh, but uh, whereas a father and a daughter, they're going to read the sundial. It's very cute interaction, very nice uh, father-daughter interaction. And they see this spark, uh, like a, a reflection of the sun. It's the observation post. And then we go back there, and Jordy and Riker and Data are, like, repairing stuff. Crusher's taking care of the staff. Uh, uh, then the father and daughter, what does it say, OG? Is that what that says? Father and daughter, o- O-G-E? Oh, yeah, that's the father's name, OG. Oh, no, the daughter's name. You think I haven't seen this episode before. Yeah, but the father climbs. Uh, the father goes, he goes, you wait here, OG. And then he gets up and he peeks in, like, the window of this observation post. And he sees Data. He, like, basically locks eyes with Data. Beam out with Patton, then eye contact with Data. What does that say? Beam out. Oh, no, somebody, like, uh, tra- transports out with a patient. Uh, then Lico's this guy's name. He makes eye contact with Data. It's like he, he, couldn't be- like he can't believe his eyes, you know. He's in the Bronze Age. Uh, so he has a little feigning spell, and then his daughter runs to him. But, you know, it's Bronze Age. They don't have smelling salts, so she hides. His crusher runs down to give him smelling salts. And then she says, "We got to. I didn't even bring any with me. We got to beam back to the uh, Enterprise." And this brought up a lot of questions for me, like uh, like curiosity questions, because then the generator's fixed and the daughter climbs up to where the father was, 
And she checks and she feels and it's stone, which I guess like uh, from what I've been learning as I've been watching these Star Trek episodes is that these holograms, that might not be the real right word because it's the same technology as the uh, transporter and the food generators and stuff. It's not a hall. It's not a fake. It's a real, I think, as I'm learning, I, you know, and I keep learning. That's why I'm here. I mean, you know, it'll take me. You guys saw how I did with Spanish, right? Um, let's see. Feels this fake zone. And six, sick bay. Picard's not happy with how things went on the planet. He's like, Crusher's like, well, we had, he fainted, so we had to get him out of there. You know, he had already seen us. And Picard says, uh, I'm not sure I, like, uh, concur with your reasoning. You know, this is total prime directive trouble. And then he says, you remove all memory of his, you know, and, uh, you know, and she says, well, I could try Dr. Pulaski's technique for short-term memory. Uh, but, you know, Mintaic and brains are different. And I don't know about their lie zones. And uh, let's see what happens next here. Picard's not pleased. Damage was done. Picard's very cool when he says remove all memory. Then the dude wakes up and sees Picard as Picard's uh, giving out orders. And they're looking for a guy that was missing from the duck blind. And, and Picard says, you know, I want that 4%, you know, because they say if we get closer, I could get you 4% more efficiency. And then the dude says to himself, Picard. And then he gets beamed back uh, and wakes up. And then he says, OG, OG. I spelled OG, you know, phonetically, O-H-G-E-E, exclamation point. And the daughter's looking. Now, here's a little, like, uh, interruption here. Like, if if you've been to Disneyland, in Cars Land and Disneyland, obviously it didn't exist when they shot this episode, but the mountains look a lot like the manufactured mountains at Disneyland, the Cadillac Range. And I just thought that was interesting. Then the uh, father and and his great ride there was just like uh, it's worth it to go to Cars Land. Very, very immersive. And you got to stay for the neon when the neon comes on. Uh, Then the father and daughter talk. Uh, She says, Father, what happened? And he goes, I met the Picard. uh, He goes, long ago, we believed in beings with great powers. And they made the rains come and the sun rise. And she says, those are tales, Father, superstitions. And Liko says, well, maybe they're true. He goes, everything has changed now, OG. We got to tell everybody about it. Also, these people have humongously strange eyebrows. And uh, then there's a commercial when they go to tell the others. Then there's a staff meeting. And they still, they're like, we can't find the guy who left the dike blind. And we're looking around the planet, and like lots of places he could be hiding out. His name's Palmer, which is totally like this wild because Leland Palmer is a character that the the that just it's just wild. But they say we got to track this guy down because you know we can't have any more cultural interference. Uh, you know we need to let these people develop on their own. And then Riker goes, well, I got a little idea. And this is when the show goes, this is when this episode goes from being good, uh, at least like this, this interplay, it's just worth it to just watch the episode for this one portion. 
uh, that just lets you know how, on how many levels this show really is operating. Because it's total like like it's role like it, like uh, I put holy role play, and that's exactly. I mean, I don't know. It's a it's a serious role play situation in Riker and Troy. You know, they cut that part out. I put holy role play exclamation point so awesome. You know, even on the next, the second rewatch, like, it's just, you, like, even the way Picard's dressed, he has green shorts. I mean, Riker, he's got these interesting boots that are, like, just below the knee, but they're open boots. Uh, so, you definitely must not be a lot of rain on this planet, which it doesn't look like. He's got kind of a darker blue-green vest. They're bo- both holding fabric. He's got chest hair. Ro- he's rocking his chest hair. Oh, I guess I should explain to you what happened. So Troy and Riker beam down to the planet dressed as Mentakins. And they're both into it. And I mean, underlined in exclamation point, uh, what do you call it? quotes, in quotes, you know, you know, like interlocking parentheses or whatever you want me to say. Like they're very playful acting. And, you know, I prefer Troy, like, I don't know about the uh, eyebrows, but this is a much more, like, natural, like, human look, even though she's a Mentak. And as far as her dress goes, uh, and her and uh, Riker have a little, like, uh, flirting situation. They say, uh, you know, Mentak and emotions are interesting. This is Counselor Troy. Like Vulcans, they have ordered, highly ordered minds. They're sensible people. For example, Mentak and women precede their mates. It's like a single to other si- signal to other women, and then she goes in front of Riker, and she, they both have these great looks on their face. And Riker uh, says, "This man's taken. Get your own." And she says, "Not precisely. More like if you want his services, I'm the one you have to negotiate with." And Riker says, "What kind of services?" And Troy says, "All kinds." And then he says, "Riker says they are a sensible race." And uh, it was just awesome. And uh, also, Troy was like, uh, like I don't know what shoes she was wearing. The walking was a little awkward. And then they just roll up to the Mentakin thing. This is where I was like, would, wouldn't they need a little extra training before they try to assimilate? Also, they were covered in straw, of course. She said, why, how, why is there straw in their bags? But, you know, don't worry about it. And they go into this assembly hall and... Uh, uh, Liko's telling them all about what happened. He goes, yeah, I realize you're skeptical. And he goes, but my daughter saw most of it. And, uh, they have this guy, Fento, who's their wise person. Like they say, do you have, then there used to be gods that could appear and disappear. And Fento said, yeah, there was one called the overseer who could do that. Uh, and heal people. And they say it was supreme power. So the ancestors believed. And Liko goes, yeah, I met him. His name is the Picard. And I love that, the Picard. And Riker and Troy are going on the download. So they say, like, they're talking, communicating, like, with Bluetooth, with the one that, like, where you don't need a speaker. So they say, oh, his memory's intact. This isn't going to work. And then Noria, who's their leader, says, uh, she says, uh, Liko, this is supernatural talk. No one's to believe that in generations. We don't believe the stars control our fates or the spirits. 
And Lico says, well, not, I don't think everything's true, but I met the Picard and that's who healed me. And then this was like a little bit, I don't know if like, like, I don't know if you would lose your uh, license. Troy seems to, I don't know. I'm again, I'm not a therapist. So, uh, but while lawyers, uh, being like, like Lurie is being the voice of reason, the Picard, uh, Troy goes, well, you know, we're just in from out of town and I don't want to throw shade on all your ideas because we're just here celebrating, uh, you know, sell a, sell a, selling fabric, and I'd love to validate your feelings. But, you know, it was just a dream, you know. It was interesting, but just a dream. By the way, this is Riker. You know, sorry, our hair's all messed up. We, 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 we slipped and fell in one another's arms, you know. Oh, boy. And Lico goes, no, 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 it wasn't a dream. I, I'm sure I was, uh, like, observing and his daughter says, yeah, we, me and my father both saw this. And Troy says, oh, well, maybe you had a shared no, yeah, dream. And Lico goes, that's not reasonable. And Riker said, Riker, I didn't know, I don't know if they, he said, well, is that, you know, uh, is that less reasonable than magic uh, by some Picard? And, oh, yeah, this is another thing. It was like, this was really a Keystone Cops episode because everything uh, that the crew of the Enterprise does just keeps like falling apart, uh, uh, step after step. Cause then they roll in with Palmer, the guy that they've been looking for. And he's like weekends at Bernie. He's totally fainted and he has no motor function, just like weekends at Bernie's, but you know, different because he's fine eventually. And they say, well, geez, this is Picard's guy. He's going to be pleased. We found him. And even Nuri is like, well, I guess you were telling the truth. This is a guy in a spacesuit. And uh, Lico says, the Picard will be pleased. And then Riker goes, uh, Riker to Picard, well, yeah, we got a big problem. It's uh, go- not going good. And Picard says, well, how bad? He goes, well, they're starting to believe in a god, and it's you. And then there's a slow pull in and a commercial break. Then this create this anthropo the lead anthropologist is really salty. He's arguing with Picard like he has, I mean, again, I don't know anything about authority, but I'm like uh, the guy's really like uh, like adamant with Picard, which I guess is good because he's about his support staff support, but. He said, he says, Picard, I must protest. And I put, this is one bossy dude. Uh, and then we're back in the planet. Everyone's touching the Palmer's face. Uh, and Lico's like, oh, you know what? This is a, a servant of uh, the, the overseer. And they say, right, Fento? And Fento says, well, maybe. Like, uh, but why would he be down here in a cave? Uh and they say, well, maybe, like, uh, the, the, the Picard's not happy with him. And then Riker tries again. He goes, these are just superstitions. This guy's just in a spacesuit. Ho- Don't you have Halloween? We have that in our village. So they say, uh, oh, Riker says, oh, it's superstition. And Nuria says, no, 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 no. She goes, normally I agree with you, but the evidence is contrary, my dear Riker. And Lico says, I heard Picard say he's looking for Palmer. And here's a little uh, pandering for uh, fans of a certain Mr. Palmer is concerned with the $1,000 question, you know, just like Roger. Anyway, that was a little pandering to a certain group of the audience. 
Uh, but just like they say, well, if Mr. If we keep Mr. Palmer safe, uh, please Picard, and they'll give us favors. And this is when you get the subtext and the emotional drive. And I just had seen, I'm going to see Rogue One again tomorrow, I think. And I don't know, you think about why certain movies work and then why is Star Trek like, uh, like uh, so beloved by so many people? And I've been really impressed how, like, I just I'm watching another episode right now, like, uh, the, the emotional substance they can, they can put into these episodes. So, the, so the thing with, uh, Liko and OG is that, uh, like the, there was floods and, uh, during the floods, uh, the Liko's wife, OG's mom, she took a boat in the flood and, and you know, went to, to visit this uh, farm island. And so OG's kind of obsessed with this higher power thing because he said, well, maybe my wife will come back from the farm island to live with me and my daughter again if I can get Picard, the overseer, happy. So it's kind of driving this obsession. Uh, I don't know, it just it's really like in... in I mean, especially his spectacular acting, but uh, I don't know, it just really, I don't know, it just sticks out to me because you can see that it's just driving subtextual force sometimes in the episode. Or maybe not subtextual, I just like using that word because I, I do think it makes me sound, one time a teacher praised me for using that word. So if you're ever wondering, like, like why is Scoots who use subtextual so often? Teacher praise. So, you know, works, praise works. Uh, uh, you know, I guess uh, for so for me, overusing words, uh, shame does not make me underuse words. By the way, because I do get like uh, every episode I hear from some person uh, hasn't worked. It just just keeps me up. It doesn't help me to say the words less. Uh, anyway, let's get back to the episode because I, I like he's a servant of the overseer. Bring back those who've passed, which is a nice extra. Uh, then Troy, they do this Riker and Troy, still a Keystone cop situation. But Troy says, geez, I seen uh, somebody else that works for the overseer outside. Everybody come on. And everyone runs outside. And then Riker's inside with the older wise person and Palmer. And Riker says, you know who, you know who Will Rogers is? And the guy goes, no, I'm, uh, this is the Bronze Age. You're breaking rhyme directive. Riker goes, well, he would do these rope tricks. Let me show you them. And then Riker takes Palmer and tries to bolt like another weekend at Mer- breakout with weekend at Bernie's gets caught by OG who's going, who picks this time to go check the sundial. And she tells on them. So Troy busts, uh, Troy gets busted because Riker gets away. Um, but before Riker gets away, there's like a fake bird, 2215. I wasn't sure if it's fake bird or real bird. I just rewatched it and I couldn't, well, let me see. I'm still playing it and I didn't see it. Uh, you couldn't tell if it was a bird on a stick. Oh, there it is. I just saw it. It was, uh, couldn't tell again. It's 2207 actually, in case you're playing the at home game. And again, I couldn't tell if it was a fake bird or, you know, with a real bird with perfect timing. Just appears behind the mountains. And it caught my eye. And then Riker's out. And then Troy's in the middle of a group of the Mentakins. 
And they're like, why did you take uh, Riker from us? Uh, Why did you you and Riker take Palmer from us? And Troy goes, I don't know what you're talking about. We We set him free. We don't believe in fables about the overseer. And Lico says, you've angered the Picard. You know, I've, I've met the Picard, all powerful. And Nico has all these crazy ideas about what to do with Troy, like, uh, should we arrest her or whatever? And then there's an ad. And Riker and Picard are having a meeting with the anthropologist. Uh, they're like, man, we really messed this up. And they say, what do you think they're going to do with uh with Troy, or what should we do? And they're like, well, they, they think you're a god. Uh, and Picard says, recommendations? And the, the anthropologist says, well, you you got to send them a sign. And Picard says, what do you mean? And Baron, the guy, Baron I think, is, he says, go down there. And Riker says, as a god? And Picard says, no, 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 this is against the prime directive. And they're like, we're just trying to minimize the damage we've already done. And Picard says, by sanctioning false beliefs, and uh, Aaron says, give them a guideline so let them know what the overseer expects. Really good because Picard's under a lot of peer pressure here, and he realizes like his actions have consequence. He says, I cannot, I will not impose a set of commandments on these people. He goes, this violates the very essence of the prime directive. And they say, well, you, we, we uh, you know, stirred up their belief in the overseer. And Riker says, so this is going to become a religion? And Baron says, it's inevitable without guidance, and it could, you know, uh, be the negative side of it. And Ricard says, he says, horrifying. He goes, these are rational people, you know, without supernatural. And he goes, we're going to sabotage this and send them back into superstition and fear? No. He says, also, the, the, the anthropologist is dressed as Obi-Wan Kenobi in this uh, part, too. He says, oh, no. Picard says, we're going to find a way to fix this. And he goes, number one, who's the leader? And he says, a smart woman named Nuria, very clear-minded and sensible. And they trust her. If we could, you know, we could convince her you're not a god. And then Picard says, she might persuade the others. And they say, well, how are you going to do that? And Picard says, well, if she thinks the Picard's a magical figure, I'll show her behind the magic. I'll bring her aboard. Let's see, masquerading. Oh, also I said Holy Sims. Like This was like the Sims game a little bit. Oh, also I said, this guy's the worst anthropologist. I said, what the heck kind of Dr. Baron is this fool? I mean, first of all, he's dressed as, I mean, I guess I'm no one to criticize, but he's dressed as Obi-Wan. Um, you know what? No, he's dressed as Uncle, uh, Aunt, Aunt Beru, Uncle Owen. He's dressed as Uncle Owen from A New Hope. I, I'm not kidding. I'm looking at him right now. He's dressed in the exact same outfit Uncle Owen was dressed as. And uh, just the worst thing. I mean, I don't want to fire get anybody fired, but this guy should have never been an anthropologist. He's been in that duck blind too long. And I put Holy Sims, because this is just like a Sims game where you become, you know, the whole God complex type thing. Uh, horrifying, strong stand by Picard, rational, Nuria. Okay, then we have Data talking to Troy, uh, and she's trying to be sly. She's like, well, by the way. And they're like, once Nuria's alone, we'll beam her up to transporter room one, which I said, there's more than one transporter room, really. I didn't realize that, but I, I did hear transporter room three recently. 
and this is pretty cool because Picard goes down transporter one. He says, I'll handle this. And he even does the, the working of the transport controller. And Nuria comes aboard. He says, hey, don't be afraid. I'm Jean-Luc Picard. And she goes, she says, or Jean-Luc. And she says, Picard. And she kneels. Then we go to commercial. Picard says, get up. He goes, look at me. I'm, you know, I have, you feel the warmth of my hand. I'm flesh like you. And this is from the opening. The doors open and she sees the door open by itself. She says, what a wondrous place. Even the doors obey your commands. And Picard says, wondrous, yes, but not miraculous. Uh, then they looked down at her planet, which was a little disorienting because uh, I thought that would melt someone's mind seeing their planet from outer space. But she says, this is my home. And he goes, seen from above. And she goes, yet we do not fall. I never thought I'd see the clouds from the other side. I, this was a little advanced for me. I mean, a little bit of a jump. And this this was funny, too. But she goes, your, your power, like at first, uh, Picard's like, okay, I taught, you know, I told her I'm flesh and blood. Oh, problem solved. And she goes, your powers are truly boundless. Uh, and she says, can you bring some people back from this island farm we have? And Picard gets a headache. It's so funny. And then he weaves this really, like, uh, good metaphor. He goes, geez, uh, do you live in uh, huts or caves? And she says, yeah, like, uh, we live in huts. He goes, well, did you live in caves? He goes, yeah, but we learned how to make huts. And uh, he goes, oh, that would be, I don't know, like, uh, he brings brings her on this logic quest of reasonable assumptions. Someone invented a better hut and bows and then taught it to others. Uh, Picard was really good here. Uh, he says it's mad, like uh, like magic or something. He says it's magic or something, and he says it like a whisper. Let me see if I can find the dialogue. Oh, she's. They say oh because we hunt with bows, and Picard says, well, you, what if someone's never seen a bow? Doesn't exist in their world. To you, it's a simple tool. To her, it's magic. You know, he says. You know, I just like that, like a whisper. And then they say, well, how would the people react if they saw you, Nuria? And they say, well, maybe they'd be afraid. And then Picard says, just as you fear me. And she says, I do not fear you any longer. And Picard says, good, because we lived in caves once, and then we built huts, and then we built ships like this. And she says, perhaps one day my people will travel above the skies. And Picard says, of that, I have no doubt. And then we're back on the planet, and uh, what is the name? Liko's freaking out. He's like, well, there's lightning. That, that means Picard's not happy. He blames us. And he's totally going back and forth. Then we go back to the ship, and Liko, Luria's uh, touching a model of the old Enterprise. Oh, this is when she says, Juice, by the way, Picard, this is when Picard gets a real headache, because she says, we got six people on this farm island, and they... They win a boat, but they need a ride back, we think, from a god. And, uh, you know, could, do you think you could handle that? And she says, Picard says, no. And then they said, like, and he said, I don't know what we could have done to get you to bring those people back from the island. And Picard says, I failed to get through to you, haven't I, despite all my efforts, which I like again because we were close to the finish line. And again, this Keystone Cops theme keeps, you know, they fumble the ball. 
And then we're back on the planet, and uh, Lico or whatever is like, we must do as the Picard wishes. Uh, lots of sleep making ban ban. What does that mean? Magic ban ban. I can't. What does that mean? Okay, we must do as Picard wishes. Lots of sleep magic ban ban. Man, I can't figure that out. Searched everywhere. And the scene's going on now, like, uh, I don't know. I'm almost positive that's what it says. Not Picard wishes, uh, I don't know, maybe wishes everyone goes to sleep. Then there's an ad, uh, but that'll remain a mystery. Then we're at the med bay, and one of the anthropologists says, you know what, I'm going to do some anthropological work on this farm island and the guy, the, the guy dressed as Uncle Owen with a bad attitude is, you know. Uh, and then Loria says, Picard, uh, that anthropologist, she went to live on the same island. I get it now. Just people sometimes go to live on islands, uh, farm islands. You are not masters of life or farm islands. I understand it. For all our advances... We are just as mortal and powerless to stop the inevitable. She says, you are not supreme beings. Oh, no, she says, you're not superior beings. My people must understand that. And then let's see. Uh, not superior beings. Uh, and then, oh, I just figured out the last mystery. Like, Because every Star Trek episode's kind of like a mystery. I just realized that there's lots of sheep. There's some sound design on the planet of lots of sheep going ba ba. So if I go back, what I thought said lots of sleep making ban ban actually says lots of sheep making ba ba with the b a n being b a a b a a. Though it looks like ban ban, lots of sleep making ban ban is what a normal person would guess. You know, but, you know, it's a mystery, just like every Star Trek episode or a lot of them are like a mystery that has to be solved. My handwriting is a mystery that may accidentally be solved by uh, doubling up my notes. But on the planet, Troy's still pushing for a solution. Liko's still pushing for something wild. And then the daughter stands up. She says, Father, we don't need uh, to do anything wild. And he says, Picard, we need your guidance. And he's kind of answering, and then Picard shows up, and he says, Lico, and he says, the Picard, the overseer has come. And he says, no, 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 I'm not an overseer. I'm a traveler from a faraway land, nothing more. And Lico says, but you uh, healed me. I'm your servant. And Picard says, I'm, you're no one's servant, Lico. I don't desire obedience or worship. And Nuria says, the Picard speaks the truth. It gave him a headache, you know, that's proof right there when we were on his ship. Also, I have a great idea for doors, uh, Luria says. Like, you know, once we get back to doing the doors, you know, you were just sick, Liko, and Picard helped you with technology. And Liko says, no, 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 the Picard, the Picard can bring my wife back from the farm island. And Picard says, I can't. And Liko says, did I fail you? Why? Why won't you help me? Are you upset? And Picard says, I'm not upset. And Lico says, I'll do whatever you wish. Picard, Picard says, it's beyond my power. It, it just, I like this cause, just because Picard's kind of helpless. 
like against Lico's logic. And Lico says, nothing's beyond your power. You're the overseer. And Picard says, I'm not all powerful, dude. Like, I don't know what you want me to do. And then Lico does one last test, one last test, which, uh, you know, then, then it cuts to a commercial, I think. Let me see. Let me read through Picard. We need your guidance to Picard. No, I'm a traveler. Then we have more sheep sounds. Nico's still a believer, uh, beyond my power. Picard does a bold all or nothing move to prove it. The daughter saves the day. Then he says, hey, uh, captain's com- commander, captain's log. Yeah. Supplemental. You know, I'm healing up, but I have one last visit to Mintaka three. And, uh, one last visit to Mintaka three. And he kind of shows them what the, uh, obser- observation pro- post is. And they said, what is it? And he said, well, a place to watch you. And they say, why? And he says, to understand you, to study you. And then it vanishes. And they say, well, why would advanced people want to learn about us? And Picard says, well, we were once as you are now. Little, you know, little uh, first world there, Picard. You know, easy on the uh, first world stuff. But he says, to study you is to understand ourselves. And they say, well, why hide? And they say, and then Lico says, well, because their presence would affect people like me, you know, because I get all bent out of shape. And Picard says, it's our highest law that we not interfere with other cultures except by incompetence and accidents. And they say, oh, so it's an accident. OG says that. And then Picard says, all right, I got to get out of here. You know, I got a spaceship with, you know, with... And he says, maybe Dr. Crusher and I would like to dress up as Mintakins first. And Wesley says, great, I'll come with you. And Picard says, oh. And then the, the dude, uh, like, the, I think the guy dressed as Uncle Owen goes. And so, but they, they did that in the countryside. So that part was cut out. Yeah, but OG says, well, why don't you teach us more before? And he says, I can't teach you about this. It's called role play. You'll learn about it maybe. I don't know. It's a first world thing. I don't know. Maybe you have to be bored first. And he said, also interfere with your own progress. You'll progress in your own way. And Nuria says, uh, so we will. Just as, you, just as you have taught us, there's nothing beyond our reach, not even the stars. And then they give Picard, like, a cool belt or something. And uh, he ties it up with, he ties up all their screw-ups with a neat bow. That's what I put. Uh, nothing beyond our reach, not even the stars. And a gift. And he says, uh, Nuria says, I wish you good journeys, Picard. Remember my people. And Picard says, All, always, actually, since Dr. Crusher is with Wesley. He says, no, no, that's definitely prime. And then the episode comes to a close. Very good episode. Uh, but I want to talk about a couple of things from this episode, facts-wise. First is the great actor Ray Wise. Ray, this is from Wikipedia. Raymond Herbert Wise uh, is an American actor, played Leland Palmer in Twin Peaks. He was in RoboCop, Rising Sun. Uh, he's been in a, a bunch of TV shows, and I think he's in a bunch of 20, season 24 of season 5. Uh, from Akron, Ohio, went to Garfield High, just in case anybody, and then went to Kent State. Wow, he's Romanian of Romanian descent, according to Wikipedia. And best known for his uh, roles in Leland Palmer, was also on a soap opera, Love of Life, for seven years and 950 episodes. 
uh, was in the TV pilot of uh, TV show Beauty and the Beast. I remember that. Uh, in addition to Twin Peaks, uh, he's been in a lot of science fiction. Played Lico in Star Trek. Uh, and was also in an episode of Star Trek Voyager. Uh, he's been in Tim and Eric's awesome show. A bunch of other stuff. Ian, I mean, just an amazing job. I mean, Leland Palmer, like, uh, uh, just, I mean, amazing. I remember watching a couple of those big episodes with my mom when they were on TV. And to say it's hard to ever even see acting at that caliber. Uh, if you watch season one of uh, Twin Peaks, you uh, you won't be disappointed. Uh, I was also in uh, 1982 film Swamp Thing. I saw that. Uh, I always liked that. Uh, Journey of Natty Gann. That was a good one. I think Natty Gann was one of my first, not my first crushes because I'd have been in fifth grade, but uh, it's been a bunch, bunch of movies. Uh, Battle of Shaker Heights. Wasn't that the uh, uh, first project in Greenlight? Uh, a friend was in that Shia. It was season two of Project Greenlight. And I'm pretty sure he's got a couple of projects uh, coming out soon. Oh, no, it's in, yeah, like uh, Commissioner Jordan, an animated film coming soon. Uh, so that's Ray Wise, very, very good. And then I'd say the Vulcan Bronze Age is a little bit more advanced than the humans just by looking the way they look on TV and into my imagination. Uh, but according to Wikipedia, real quick, uh, the Bronze Age is a period characterized on Earth by uh, bronze proto-writing and early features of urban civilization. So that's true there. It's the second uh, principal period of the Three Age uh, Stone, Bronze, and Iron system uh, for classifying and studying ancient societies. And a civilization is defined to be in the Bronze Age by either smelting its own copper and alloying it with tin, arsenic, or other metals, or by trading for bronze from production areas elsewhere. Uh, copper, tin, ore is rare, so there was no tin bronze in Western Asia before trading began in the 3rd century B.C. Uh, worldwide, the Bronze Age generally followed the Neolithic period, and uh, although the Iron Age generally followed the Bronze Age, some areas uh, the Iron Age intruded directly on the Neolithic. Uh, Bronze Age cultures differed in their development of writing. According to archaeological evidence, uh, uh, Mesopotamia and Egypt developed the first early viable writing systems. Uh, so that's a little bit about the Bronze Age. And uh, I looked up Vulcan Bronze Age. It only brings up stuff about the uh, uh, this episode. But what about the transporter room? This is from Fandom, uh, Memory Alpha Wiki. Uh, transporter rooms are part of Starship of Space Station, uh, outfitted for transportation of life forms. Life forms are small inanimate objects. Uh, there are a number of transporter rooms per ship or station, main criteria being, you know, to get everybody off to the ship in a key amount of time. Uh, some ships, such as the NX-class Enterprise, did not have a transporter room. Huh. Okay, let's see. I guess I should know the uh, transporter room by heart, but I don't. I mean, the number of the starship... Uh, so this might be the original Enterprise, uh, Galaxy-class Starship NCC-1701D, 
had at least 20 transporter rooms. So let me just check the internet. You know, I don't want to give you the wrong info. Okay, here it is. Uh, NCC 1701D. Was I talking about the C earlier? I don't know. Um, let me just see. This is also uh, from Memory Alpha Wiki. A lot of stuff on here. First contact. This is everything. Okay, here we go. Technical data. Um, main shuttle bays on deck four. Uh, uh, deck 12. Um, shipboard, ship directory, crew. Okay, that's not going to help me. Um, so anyway, like at least uh, they they have a lot of transporter rooms to get everybody off the ship, which totally makes sense. Uh, so it's good to know, like if you're on the ship, uh, let's say they had uh, just been watching an episode where they had the number of crew. I think it was a thousand people. So a thousand divided by twenty is like fifty person per transporter room. So you could get yeah, that that sounds very efficient. Uh, so, yeah, that's a little bit about uh, some stuff. Bronze Age, uh, a great actor. And I guess it wasn't, let's try attempt to look up stuff about the Enterprise. All right. Uh, good night, everybody. I want to say some thank yous. Thank you from the, for the iTunes reviews to Banga Lee. Uh, five stars. Brilliant. I worked o- work overnight and sometimes it's hard for me to sleep during the day. Turn this podcast on and out within 10 minutes. I feel bad that I haven't listened to a full episode, but I think that's the point. Well done. Well, well done with you sleeping. Thank you. Uh, then I believe this is just what I needed. I've been listening to podcasts to help me quiet my racing mind at night. Dan Carlin's his- Hardcore History has been my go-to. Uh, great podcast. Great, great, great podcast. Uh, but he doesn't come out with enough episodes to be a daily sleep aid. Then I found Scooter, and he's my new sleep buddy. Uh, thanks for the slightly bizarre stories. Uh, skilled, crafted, just boring enough to put you to sleep, just interesting enough to keep you listening. Perfect. Uh, well, thank you, I believe. I believe your review is the future, and it taught me well and let, will let me lead the way. And it did show me the beauty I possess inside, really. So uh, uh, you gave me a sense of pride. And I will let my reviews laughter remind me how I used to be. Thank you, I believe. And then from Australia, Squalor, Squalorvik, Squalorvik uh, is good as sleeping pills. They work rotating, double to, back-to-back rotating shift people or back-to-middle, you know. I work a rotating shift, have a lot of trouble sleeping coming off the night shift and attempting to sleep through the following nights. I would normally eat some pills and cross my fingers. Last night I skipped the pill, woke at 2 a.m. and put this podcast on, and I was out in a half hour. Normally be tossed and turning for hours. It's confusing but effective. Many thanks. Thank you for the review. And how about our friends over on YouTube? Jake Saw, thank you. Uh, Mark T, thank you. Uh, Dara P, thank you very much. Uh, Rednator. Oh, no, Rednator didn't like it. Uh, uh, Vadis, uh, thank you, Estelle. Uh, Wilma V, thank you. Susan, thank you. Uh, Chloe, thank you. Uh, Nicola, thank you. Uh, Adam S, thank you. Uh, Alicia, thank you. Uh, Becky B, thank you. Abby T, thank you. Uh, the Diamond Cave, thank you. Oh, no, Diamond Cave didn't like this. Uh, Sarah M., thank you. Uh, Mr. Rock and Roller, thank you. 
Uh, thank you, Mr. Rackermore. It's hooked on this. Uh, Kestrel Z, thank you. Sugar D, thank you. Edmund H, thank you. Uh, Ningram, thank you. Maddie V, thank you. Brian, thank you. Lestat, thank you. Bubble, thank you. Uh, Sam Show, thank you. Paul, uh, thanks. Jeremy M, thank you. Uh, uh, SU Productions, thank you. Dogsum, thank you. Oh, I don't know if that person. Oh, no, you do. Okay, thank you. Dogsum, thank you. Uh, Charlene, thank you. Shadow Knight didn't work for. Emma P did not work for. A couple other people didn't like it. Uh, Aziel, thank you. Uh, Silver Unicorn. Uh, Ashley L, thank you. Uh, Kaylee, thank you. Uh, Nathan L, thank you. Layla and Abby, thank you. Uh, hypo, uh, hypo, thank you. SA, thank you. Uh, a couple other people that didn't like it. Matt, uh, Dragon Slayer, thank you. Ashley J, thank you. Flaming Amir, thank you. Stella, thank you. Uh, Vader, thanks. Uh, Tomahawk, thank you. Kenny, thank you. Uh, James, I, maybe, I don't know if that's in the, sometimes it's hard on YouTube to tell people what they mean, you know. Kane, thanks. Uh, proper, thank you. Uh, Serafina, and Char, oh no, and Charles didn't like it either. Uh, Gretzi, no, that didn't know. I gotta be careful on these YouTube ones. Uh, Dr. G liked it though. Uh, Dara, thanks. Charlie, thanks. Emily, Emily, thank you. Emma, thank you. Uh, JX, I'm not sure. Nico, not sure, but uh, random, thank you. One Eye, thanks. Uh, Pink Penguin, thanks. Jesse Sandwich, thank you. Sam B, thanks. Christina U, thank you. Charlie I. Oh, Charlie, that was an old one. That's why it doesn't have friends beyond the binary. Trenton, thanks. Uh, Sleepy Sleep, thank you. Omni, thanks. Bob, thank you. Uh, Thanks, everybody, on YouTube, and thanks for the iTunes reviews. Good night.